0: I am Kelly Vlahakis Hanks, President and Chief Executive Officer of Earth Friendly Products, makers of Eco's Plant Powered Cleaners, and you're listening to From the Heart with Ed Hart.
1: My guest today, as you just heard, is my good friend, a member of the Center for Family Business, also a member of the Family Business Hall of Fame. And as we talk over the next 45 minutes or so, I think you'll get a pretty good idea of why. Kelly and her company are in the Family Business Hall of Fame. There are so many places, Kelly, where we could start. And there is so much. First of all, I'm just excited to finally, I was just telling Kelly before we came on and recorded that uh, when I launched this podcast back in October of 2019, um, one of the first guests I thought of was to talk to Kelly. I've had a chance to visit her facility. I've had a chance to get to know her, her family, her employees attend their 50th anniversary event a couple of years ago. Uh, even watched a movie called A Green Story, and we'll get into that here in a little bit about her dad and the the invention of the product and the, the launch of the company, and Kelly's role in the movie as well, and who played her in the movie. Pretty pretty fascinating <laughs> stuff. There's so many places we're going to go today. So Kelly, first of all, just I hate to open up with how are you, but you know, given where we are in this pandemic and given, you know, just as a society, how things are going. Just tell me how you're doing personally first and then let's just kind of dive into how things are going for Earth 20 products.
0: Thank you so much, Ed. It's just so wonderful to be here today on your show with you. Um, I'm fortunately doing very well, thankfully. Um, It's been a very challenging time for sure. (laughs) Uh, I oversee four manufacturing facilities in four different states, and so certainly uh, spending a lot of time and energy to ensure the health of all of our team members as we've really scaled up uh, for the global demand for cleaning products. And so, you know, it's, it's been a challenging time. It's been a lot of long days, uh, but just grateful that we can be of service to our nation and to our world, and uh, certainly grateful for our health and the health of my family right now. And sending my prayers to a lot of people out there that are really struggling during these days.
1: Excellent. I appreciate that. And you hear people say sending prayers and it just sounds like words, but with you, it comes from your heart and I can feel it. So I appreciate that. And, and, um, yeah, as we talked about again, before we hit record here, um, the, the tragedy of COVID and, you know, with the job loss and obviously we're over a hundred thousand lives lost here, just in America alone, Mm -hmm. not to mention around the world, um, the, the silver lining in this, for a lot of people, and I, I see that with you, and I feel it for myself too, is the opportunity that we've had to to make a difference and to yes. to really reach out and and to feel the difference that that we can make. Talk a little bit. I'm jumping. I'm, I'm flipping the script a little bit here. We'll we'll hit the things that we had talked about as we prepared for this over oh. a few weeks, but um, talk about maybe just you know, can you give a specific example or two of maybe something that's inspired you or something that you will take with you after this? I don't know if there's ever really going to be an after this pandemic. I think we're just gonna adjust and we're gonna have different layers potentially down the road. But what do you hope to take with you from this?
0: Absolutely. You know, I think that obviously our mission at Earth Friendly Products for more than 53 years has been to protect the health of people. And it's been all about health and wellness. And as I've, you know, gone through the last three months, I can really see how oftentimes as leaders, we can neglect our own health. when We're on the road a lot. We're traveling a lot. We're in and out of planes and various things. And so to have the opportunity to be home over the last three months, to be with my daughter every night and to really focus on my own health um, and to become healthier and stronger, I think also makes me a better leader. Sure. And so I think as we come out of this you know, pandemic and move forward, I'll be more conscientious about taking care of my health, taking care of my immune system. I mean, our immune systems are so key in terms of defending us from this virus and so many other things. I'll be more mindful about how valuable time is and our energy. And so um, I think that is is a silver lining for me is to really just kind of reset and really prioritize my own health and wellness so that I can really lead by example in all things that we do.
1: Can you give a, a specific or two of things that you're doing? I mean, I know yes. I've been to some of your Absolutely. events and I, I love the healthy eating at your events. I mean, I, I just so awesome. And hopefully we'll get into that, but in yep. I'll share yep. it in the notes later. But Yeah, a a specific or two of what you're doing. So every,
0: yeah, thank you. Every single day at the end of my workday, my daughter and I are doing a virtual workout together. So it's really great because it's bonding time between she and I. We're doing it five days a week and we're meeting virtually with a trainer and we're working out in our home together. That has been very helpful really, you know, teaching her to really be conscientious about the importance of exercise along with clean eating. And I've also been riding my bike a lot outside. So really, you know, I love connecting with nature. I love getting outside. I love being really observant of our world. And so every day I've also been riding my bike and those two activities have really served me well. Helps me de-stress, helps me refocus. And, uh, and I see how important that time is to carve
1: out. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's nice that, you know, we get some outside time, whether it's on a bike or my, with my wife, it's gardening in the backyard or running. Um, I'm not getting as much exercise as I'd like, but I definitely, I do have the life cycle in my bedroom, which I have the life cycle, you know, it's like, it's like, I, did you go to the gym? We got went, did I work out well? But, uh, Yeah, definitely getting that exercise and just getting your mind off of things for a little while. And and
0: gardening is so important, you know, Ed. There was just a great article in the LA Times today just about how plants, the effect of looking at plants, actually naming plants or being in your gardens can really de-stress you and the effects that it has on your brain. So it's it's super important to get out into gardens into garden. Yeah, she's you- she's
1: out there as we speak with two of our grandsons right now and it's just something that she just loves. It it's it's a, it's a huge huge um de-stressor but also just it's always been a passion for her and now it's even more so. I'd love to hear a little bit about you growing up. I mean, I know we'll get into the story about your dad and about how the company was launched and the history there, certainly. But um, tell us about Kelly as a child growing up and just, you know, where I know you you're of Greek heritage and uh, I just love everything about that, that culture. I mean, and Thanks. I don't know any, I don't know physically anything. I've never been to Greece, but <laughs> in the movies, I know you, I have a lot of friends who are Greek. Um, Yes. Tell me about your growing up and just, you know, kind of maybe who did you admire and what was just, what was, what was, what were, what was the 10 or 12 year old Kelly thinking about where she'd be now?
0: Absolutely. Well, I grew up in a small town in Illinois, a town called Itasca, a town of 3,000 people. So a very small town. Um, And I grew up really in two very different worlds, the Greek world of my father Mm -hmm. and the African-American world of my mother. And so I mixed Greek and African-American. And I would say both of those cultures have really just made me so much of who I am today. And I've taken so much from those backgrounds, but uh, growing up in a small town, a very different experience than coming to UCLA, a school (laughs) of 40,000 students. Uh, It was a big transition for me when I was 18 years old. But uh, I feel very, very fortunate to have that foundational uh, structure from a small town. Uh, Certainly, you know, my mother and father were both amazing mentors to me in my life and my life's journey. Uh, My mother grew up in the the foster care system, Mm -hmm. had a very difficult childhood, and yet raised me with the most wonderful childhood, so much love. Um, and you know, when I was 14 years old, she was diagnosed with breast cancer right. and, uh, unbelievable. You know, she, I think back then she had a 10% chance of survival ed, and yet she still attended every event and she still showed up in such a beautiful way. And, you know, I'm actually, I'm now 42, the age she was when she first got sick. And that really puts so much into perspective for me and how young she was. And, um, and how challenging it was for her going through the mastectomy and radiation twice and chemo twice and all the things my sister at the time was two years old and really grateful that we had another 15 years with her sure and she did survive till she was 57 still far too young to lose her um but i um yeah i grew up there and you know came to, to california when i was 18 and uh, went to ucla yeah. um, and i think my my 10 to 12-year-old self, you know, in middle school, I always knew that I wanted to to change the world, you know, and I think so many of and our younger you generations, I think a lot of our young people really have that in them, and I think it's something we should foster, and we should nourish, and we should champion, and we should cheerlead, and I think my mom really did that for me. She was a really strong supporter of you can do anything you put your mind to as long as you work hard. And uh, I feel really grateful for for that conviction she had and that belief in me, which really allowed me to believe in myself and also believe I could do anything. And I certainly look to pass that feeling on to my daughter and and to to other young women as well. Um, With my father, you know, a wonderful opportunity to work as a young person in a family business. Although after I graduated university, I worked for five years for other people, as everyone in a family business should do. We <laughs> I preach would that recommend. every day at
1: the center. Absolutely. Get, a job outside. get your education, get outside the family business, learn. Yes. So, yeah. Yes, Great advice. You know, Great advice.
0: It, it, it is so important to work for others. You know, when you enter a family business and you've worked for others, it gives you so much better perspective, the understanding of organizational hierarchy, the understanding of working your way up to the top. I mean, it just, you get a lot of life lessons that serve you in a family business and avoid a lot of conflict and strife that I've seen in, in other family businesses. And so um, I uh, went on to UCLA at, at that time. I studied history and communications and, um, and graduated and had the opportunity to work in various different roles and uh, joined the family business five years later
1: when did you first have the inkling that you wanted to get into the family business? Was it before all of that? And you thought, okay, I'm going to do this route like we just talked about and then come in? Or was there a a point after UCLA graduation where the light bulb went off? So
0: so I think that, you know, for me, um, I always wanted to create value and really make a change and really be of great service. And so uh, after I graduated from UCLA, I went on to the executive director of the American Hellenic Council, which is a political action committee that lobbies Congress on issues affecting Greece and Cyprus. I I also worked at the California African American Museum. (laughs) Uh, I curated an exhibition on a South American photographer, Peter Magubani. and then I ultimately landed with a great role as a director of uh, uh, public relations for a company called Blue Point. And at the time, our family business was much smaller than it is today
1: absolutely uh, sure. when
0: i joined <laughs> when i joined in <laughs> 2003 i think of it you know we were in an 8000 square foot facility here in huntington beach we now have a 125000 square foot facility here and we have four others across the right. world but it was a much smaller operation then we had never written press releases we had never created an emotional connection with our consumer Um, And so I started seeing, wow, you know, so many of these skills I had learned over the last five years I could bring to the table and, and really create something that I thought would be powerful and useful. And so when I started, uh, we had four team members at the California mm-hmm. facility in the front office. <laughs> and uh, and I knew right away that, you know, I could do that. And I also thought, hey, I could start calling on conventional accounts like Costco and Walmart. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I really saw the beauty of what my father was doing. And I, I saw a moment in time where I, I could add value.
1: Yeah. So, okay, you've teed it up well. I've watched the movie several times. I've shared <laughs> the movie with a lot of people. The movie is called A Green Story. We'll put the link in, in our notes here so people can click <laughs> to it. It's a great, I mean, it's not just, I don't just love the movie because it's you and your family and I know you. I never unfortunately had the opportunity to meet your father um, who launched the company, but I feel like I know him. I've met Ed O. Ross, the gentleman who who starred as your dad in the movie (laughs) uh, at your anniversary uh, luncheon a couple of years ago. I've heard you share just the uncanny likeness, not just physically, but also just characteristically between Ed and your dad. can you take me through your understanding and the story of, you know, how did this whole come, whole thing come about about a movie and then where it went and just walk us through that. I, I, I can't wait to watch the movie again. Actually, yeah. <laughs> but I hope our listeners and watchers and viewers today will, will feel that as well.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, Ed. You know what a what an amazing turn of events. I, I don't think we ever imagined that Hollywood and the cleaning products industry would collide in that yeah. way, yeah. family. Um, but it was is such a great thing. So my father's story is that you know he grew up in uh, Greece and he grew up on the island of Crete. And while he was growing up in Crete, you know he lived through World War II. He was born in 1935. So. Yeah. Uh, He lived through World War II. He lost his father in the concentration camps in Crete. I think a lot of people don't realize that during the Nazi occupation that, you know, many different ethnic groups were put into camps, including the Greeks, because the Greeks had resisted Mussolini's troops and Hitler's troops. And so my father, as a young boy, was really part of the resistance and then lived through the civil war in Greece. So when he got on a ship and came to this country, you know, in 1953, um, he had $20 in his pocket and, and lived in homeless shelters and so had a really challenging start and started our company in his garage in 1967 and so uh, just a, a beautiful story of determination and kind of the American dream yep. um, and so we had a program at work um, that we'd often call our green consulting program but what it was is in every single club store we had people demoing our products, saying hey have you tried you know Ecos and do you know why it's important to use a plant-powered laundry detergent. Well, one of those demo team members had a son who was a Hollywood filmmaker, and he went home one night, and he said to his son, hey, have you ever heard of this family, and this is their story, and, you know, how he came from Greece, and, you know, how he built this company, and his son became very interested. His son's name is Nika Agieshevili, and became very interested in my father's life story, and so he and his father, Dado Agieshvili, uh, approached my father and I and said, this is a beautiful story. Let's, let's make this into a Hollywood feature film. Wow. And at first it was a little like... Yeah,
1: sure, whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, but in the end of the day, they got Billy Zane, Malcolm McDowell, I was played by shannon elizabeth who yeah, many people know a from,
1: bit. yeah.
0: <laughs> from american pie actually and yep. i had never seen american pie before they cast her to play kelly Blackie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and i'll yeah. never forget watching it and going wow oh my gosh i'm gonna look really good in this movie <laughs> uh,
1: right this is how people see me this is good no wonder my husband's so <laughs> handsome right <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> this is really good yeah, that's and
0: um It's funny, actually, originally, they had cast um, Meta World Peace to play Eric. Oh, wow. And uh, ultimately, they got Lawrence, but, you know, it was just, it was so, such a fun journey. And, um, you know, it was beautiful to see my father's story come to life on screen, to have such wonderful actors and actresses bring that story to life. Um, The film came out here in the U.S. in 2012 and then in Greece in 2013. And as you could imagine, in Greece, it was a a very big hit and played in all the big movie theaters. And so I had no idea at the last time that 2013 would be the last time I traveled to Greece with my father because Mm. he was so healthy and full of life. I never expected to lose him in April of 2014. but. When I look back on that time period, I feel so grateful that he had a chance to return to Greece and have a real hero's welcome, and people really understood kind of the adversity and the obstacles he had gone through to really make it here in America, and how he had really lived a life of service and giving back, and really for the ultimate good of our planet, and it was a beautiful thing to witness, and I feel so grateful for that
1: did you learn anything about your dad that you didn't already know through the making or viewing of this movie by any chance were there any stories that came out that you're like "Wow, i didn't know that
0: you know i feel i feel really lucky you know very much like my big fat greek wedding i lived across the street from my father (laughs) Uh (laughs) so you know between working with him and spending so much time with him personally um, I had a chance over the years to really hear so many of the stories. You know, when I was a little girl and he'd be putting me to sleep at night, he'd be telling me World War II stories. And, you know, um, when he turned 70, I had myself done a video interview of him where I'd asked him a lot of questions and really tried to capture those things on film um, when the day came that we didn't have him here to tell us those stories. And uh, so I, I feel fortunate. I knew a lot of the stories, but you know, just to see the beautiful and deep appreciation that people receive the film with and the excitement. And, you know, um, I think that just really inspired me. And so I definitely tell people to go out and see a green story. I know it's yeah. on, you know, Spectrum and Redbox and you get know, on Netflix and all sorts yep. of things, Amazon, um, and, and watch it. It's good fun. Yeah,
1: excellent. Now you've had the, well, I'm going to ask you a question first. So the product over your shoulder, ECOS, you've talked about <laughs> ECOS, the company's earth friendly products for those who don't know, tell us what ECOS means and how that product name came around. Cause even in the movie it's outlined, but I'd love for our listeners and viewers today to, to, to know that story.
0: Absolutely. So ECOS is Greek for the word home. And so when you think of ecology, ecology is the study of home. And so that's where the name comes from. And I think that it's it's a really beautiful Word, because it's really you know what we do is all about protecting our shared planet home, and so yeah, you know we really right. hope to convey to our consumers that that's our commitment, that's our mission. Um, fortunately, people oftentimes recognize the eco part of the word to mean something green, so right away they can understand that the product. See has, the name
1: and you know what it is, yeah.
0: Yeah, and so you're right. Earth Friendly Products is the name of the company. Um, Ecos used to just be our laundry detergent. And it had such great brand equity and such great penetration in the marketplace that shortly after my father died in 2014, I actually rebranded all 200 of our SKUs under the Ecos name. So now our dish products, our, our pet products, our Disney baby products, our hand soaps, fruit and veggie, everything bears the Ecos name now. That's because although fun. Earth Friendly Products is a wonderful name, um, it's become more of a general category term fortunately. Right.
1: Everybody uses that as earth friendly products is is a category more than just a company.
0: Yes. It was, it was hard to tell people we had 200 earth friendly products and for them to understand the brand.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I understand personally, some of the challenges you've been through the loss of your father six years ago, the loss of your mother when you were a lot younger. Um, What other personal or professional, if you want to go there, challenges have you had that you've had to overcome and maybe how, how were you assisted by others and what have, how have you come out? I mean, I see how you've come out, it's amazing, but in your own words, I'd love to hear what you've learned from some of these challenges. I lost my mom three years ago. Thankfully my dad, 93 is still around, but certainly the challenge of losing my mom after a 15 year bout, I mean, she had had several strokes. And so it wasn't a, it's always a shock and a surprise when you lose a parent, regardless. Um, We lost my father-in-law a little over a year ago too, and that was pretty sudden. And so there's, the, there's that challenge that we all face. Many of us have and certainly will lose a parent or both parents. So that challenge is there, certainly. Uh, yes. So given those challenges or anything pro- professionally that you've been through. Well, I,
0: I would say, you know, with my mom as, as a young person, you know, um, I think her becoming ill uh, when I was 14 and my sister was two yeah. years old. I think that uh, certainly I grew up a lot faster. I you had a mom. Yeah, yeah. And I and I had a much greater and deeper appreciation for my mom. I still had her another 15 years, thankfully. Right. So she, she actually lived. My sister graduated from high school in June, and my mom took her last breath in July. And I just, I can't begin to tell you, Ed. I mean, it brings tears to my eyes. I, I literally believe she willed herself
1: mm-hmm. to see
0: my sister graduate, you know, before her final breath. And um, it just shows the unbelievable strength she had and courage. Yeah. I think, you know, as a young person, that immediately, I, I grew up very quickly overnight. I realized the importance of gratitude, presence, um, family, love of family. I think when a lot of other teenagers were probably focused on the natural teenage things that you would be focused on, mm-hmm. I was really focused on you know, supporting my mom, my sister, you know, I had a wonderful stepfather as well, who was such a wonderful part of my life too, and uh, who's still alive and I feel thankful every day that he's still alive and still with us, and a wonderful grandpa to my daughter, but uh, he too ended up having cancer in my late mm-hmm. teen years. So I think very, very early on just, um, you know, being grateful and and wanting to ensure that other people didn't feel that same pain and agony and wondering, what role I could play. I remember as a younger person thinking maybe I'd be a doctor, how could we stop cancer? And I even see my role today very much being about prevention and prevention of disease. And I think cleaning products and healthy, safer cleaning products play a key role in preventing disease that oftentimes is overlooked. You know, People are so focused on on food and other things, but they oftentimes don't think about the role cleaning products play. So I really think that that was very key. Obviously in losing my father. Um, I, you know, Ed, like I said, he was 79, so I feel grateful to have had more years with him. But at 79, he was like 39. I could barely right. keep up. and so I certainly didn't anticipate losing him in that in that moment. But I felt very grateful that, you know, he had given me a sense of courage and strength to make sure that you know, the business was his baby, his life, and that business needed to go on the next day. Those, those trucks needed to go out Monday morning, and uh, and that's why I think you feel like you know him because his mission yes. and his yeah. being alive uh, in the walls of our facilities. And even as we've moved and grown, uh, we've still kept it really imbued with his soul, his essence, and really what he wanted to see happen. Um, I feel like, you know, throughout my collegiate career, there were so many mentors, you know. I had an amazing professor, Paul Von Blum, who I just saw, you know, a few weeks ago, who I took 10 classes with at UCLA. Wow. Um, and uh, just a wonderful professor. Um, one of my favorite classes with him was art as a form of political and social protest, which mm-hmm. landed me my first job at the California African American Museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a lot of people along the way who really pointed to living a purpose-filled life, yeah, that life yeah. would not be made happy by monetary gains. It had to be a mission-filled, purpose-filled life. And so I'd say family members, professors that I gravitated to along the way, some of my first, you know, um, I, I think back to my first internship at UCLA it was with a wonderful woman, Alison Dutch, who I still work with and collaborate with a lot today, uh, Brown and Dutch PR and, and I'll never forget going for some of my first interviews, you know, her telling me, you know, just surround yourself with your posse, Kelly, and, and mm-hmm. fake it till you make it. <laughs> yeah.
1: We're the average of the five people we spend the most time with, as people have said as well. And so
0: Yes, yes, yeah. have had a huge impact. And so some of those initial jobs I went for that were certainly perhaps above my my skill level at the time, really going after them and just surrounding myself by smart people and, and learning from those people along the way. So uh, all of those things contributed to where I am. And then my father, you know, instilling a very a good work ethic, you know, and making me start from the bottom. I've worked in all aspects of our facilities. I've worked on the production lines. I've worked in all of the administrative roles. I've worked in the labs. I've worked in finance and ops and marketing and sales. And, you know, really, um, I feel grateful for all of those experiences because to truly lead, having a deep understanding of all of the functions of the company is tremendously important. And so um, that's something I'm grateful for as
1: well. So what do you hope? I, I've had so many questions pop into my head as you've been talking and it's like, okay, where do I go next? But as I'm listening to you talk, I want to ask this question now. We talk about your daughter. What's your daughter's name again?
0: Alexia. Alexia.
1: That's right, She's Alexia.
0: Yesterday finished her sophomore year virtually.
1: Awesome. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, we're yeah, definitely going through schooling a little bit different than we thought we would, right? <laughs> yes,
0: right. yes. She adapted really well. I was so thrilled to see that because, um, uh, I know for a lot of people it was a challenge, but she adapted really well, super proud of her. Awesome.
1: Yeah, that comes from having a highly adaptable mom and dad too, I'm assuming. So she's 16-ish, I would say then, if she's a sophomore in high school or just finished. So fast forward uh, 26 years, she's 42, you're probably retired. Um, I don't know if you will be or not, knowing you. And someone's sitting down and having an interview with her. What do you think she will say or what do you hope that she'll say about her mom and the legacy that you've taught her?
0: You know, Ed, I, I feel so grateful that on March 8th, right before the pandemic hit, the National Women's History Museum honored me, and they have this beautiful gala that they do every year, and um, they asked my daughter to introduce me, and I was so touched by that because, you know, oftentimes as parents, we don't get to hear you know our children ever speak about us i mean typically you're maybe at a funeral when you finally get to hear a child stand up and talk about their parent and so the fact that they asked her to introduce me um and you know she was 15 at the time i was so thrilled because i really thought that was the museum's way of also giving our young women a chance to be on stage and to build the confidence and so i got to sit in the audience and hear her talk about me and i i cried ed i really <laughs> did because you know, as a working mom, you're balancing things, you're juggling things that can be challenging. You worry about dropping this ball and that ball. And, you know, on stage, she got up and she just talked about how how I was always there for her, despite the fact that I was running a global company. And she talked about some of the initial things. I, I thought it was so beautiful, things I didn't even realize that she recognized, um, you know, my father died in April, and her birthday is in April. And and she talked to the whole crowd about how I still threw her tenth birthday party, you know. And I thought, wow, I never imagined she realized how hard what those impact
1: that made, yeah.
0: And that she appreciated so much me showing up with a smile. And I think that she's played a a huge role. Uh, alongside of me in the environmental movement and been really involved with me in so many of the events and so many of the functions. And so I got a chance to hear her really talk about her thoughts on on me really being dedicated to changing the world. And and I just hope that, you know, um, that whatever she's passionate about, you know, I hope that when she's 42, she'll say that my mom inspired me to follow my life's passions. And I hope she'll say that, you know, she's living a life full of purpose and mission and and whatever it is that's in her heart and her soul that inspires her.
1: Yeah. Awesome. What's, um, when I say the words family business, the first thing to come to mind for you?
0: Uh, Love, it comes, love comes to mind to me. And, um, when I think of that, I think of love of family, love of team, love of employees, love of um, all things that we do, our consumers, our retailers, our distributors. I think, you know, when you are a family business and you treat not just the immediate blood related family members as family, but when you look at the whole and you extrapolate that Mm -hmm. and you look at the whole business as part of the same family, I think people will begin to see that you really can rise powerfully Mm -hmm. together uh, when you treat the entire team as part of that family unit.
1: I love that. That's a great answer. That's one of my favorite answers I've ever heard. Taking that not just your family, but taking it beyond out to your employees and out to your 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 broader influence. Your company has been known for paying your employees well. I know one of the things that I've heard and I saw some CNN and Fox News reports in years past about, you know, I think when minimum wage was $8 or whatever it was, you guys were almost twice that. Um, talk about that philosophy a little bit I was going to ask you about your philosophy as a leader but I'm going to ask it through this question yes um, not so much why but yeah I guess I guess I will go there why that why when you really could still be competitive and could you know watch the bottom line maybe differently and so forth how has that blessed you as an organization to be known as a company that really does pay a, a, a better than average wage for their employees?
0: Mm-hmm thank you for that question ed because it's one of the things that i'd really like to champion in other businesses as well yeah, so yeah. Uh, we pay our our minimum wage for all of our production team members is 17 an hour we start at 17 and you quickly go up from there um, and the reason we pay that is because we believe in fair living wages and so we constantly take a look at the marketplace and the cost of living And we really believed wholeheartedly that $17 an hour was a minimum needed for our team members. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. That decision you pointed out, you've seen me on Fox and other things. It's not always a widely held belief, Uh, but I'll tell you, it's done great things for our bottom line too, that a lot of people miss. And I think people don't realize when you take care of your people, They take care of you as well. You see increases in productivity. You see a reduction in turnover, right? You you see that, you know, there's a lot of hidden costs when people leave a company. Mm -hmm. So people don't think about the retraining costs, the rehiring costs, the recruitment costs. Those are costs that hit companies' bottom lines. And I feel really fortunate that as a company, because we're a family-owned business, woman-owned business, Mm -hmm. privately held Mm -hmm. business... I can make decisions for the long term. I'm not driven by short-term capitalism. And I can see that it's the right thing to do for my team and it's the right thing to do for our company. And I wish other people would kind of take a longer view of these things. You know, I really love seeing people thinking more about all stakeholders involved in a business because those are the businesses that I really believe will be here for the long run. The beautiful thing now is consumers are actually rewarding companies as well that do the right thing. I think a lot of consumers are now seeing that they can vote with their dollars yeah. and they wanna mm-hmm. vote for companies and brands that are aligned with values that they hold dear as well. So with a little more transparency in the marketplace and also social media, really giving rise to those things, I think that's important as well. But for, for our employees, we just knew it was the right thing to do. And you know we took it to 17 back in 2014, Uh, but we took it to 17 from 15 and before that from 12. So we were always ahead of the minimum wage because we never believed that the minimum wage could truly afford our employees a comfortable life. And when you're asking people to show up every day and put their heart and their soul into the business, you need to make sure that you're taking care of them and their needs as well. And so it's not just the minimum 17 an hour, we also have PPO insurance for all of our employees so that everyone and their families have access to wonderful health care. You know, things like telehealth, we had put in place years ago to make sure that our employees in the middle of the night could get on and could do telehealth and, and those types of things. Because I don't want a team member at work worried about the health of their child or a loved one in their family. I want them to come to work and know that we've created. An infrastructure and a support system for them that supports all the things they care about too. And they're not going to care about the company if you don't care about them. Um, we also Absolutely. put a lot of green incentives in place because we really see our team members as the greatest ECOS ambassadors we mm-hmm. can have. So if they put solar panels on their rooftop, we'll give them the 2500 down payment. If they get a green vehicle, we'll give them the $2,500 down payment. If they relocate within a 10-mile radius of our facilities so that we can reduce their commute times we'll give them a bonus as well and uh, these things are all really important to to us because you know, the thing is, as a, as a leader, you want people to really understand your vision and your mission, and you really want everybody lockstep in that endeavor. And so to get true buy-in and to create real understanding, giving people the opportunity to live the greenest lifestyle as well is the right thing to do. Also brought in a chef on site who prepares Green. foods from our organic gardens. I know, I know, Ed, you've been out to the facilities and you've seen we've created these urban virtual gardens. Um, so that, you know people can learn about different herbs and different vegetables and how to utilize them in their foods. And so that we could get team members eating organic and and seeing that organic foods taste wonderful and that you can make all of these things from your gardens. And so a lot of, you know, health and wellness days and learning days as well.
1: Can you walk us through a little bit about your onboarding process? You can, I mean, obviously your pay is great. All the perks that you just talked about are phenomenal. I think you're going to get a, a, you know, the more listeners we get to this particular episode, the more applications for employment you're probably going to receive, which, you know, that that's awesome. Tell me about that process of finding and recruiting and eventually hiring your people.
0: Yeah, well, we have a wonderful HR team in place that's led by my VP of HR, Jennifer Lolino. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got a lot of great team leaders leading these various uh, areas. And so, you know, we're really going out in the market and we're looking for people that, you know, both have the skill sets, but also the passion and love for our planet. So it's really twofold, right? We want to hire team members that can get the job done. And can understand why we want them to deliver on these on these very important metrics because it's about the protection of people on the planet yeah. and so in terms of the onboarding process obviously uh bringing them into the fold doing a lot of training Around you know how we operate in our business, which can be very different from other environments. A lot of people come from businesses that weren't calculating the carbon footprint, or weren't calculating their water footprints, or right. you know all of the things that are important to us to be carbon neutral, to be water neutral, to be zero waste. So a lot of trainings around you know, we, we became zero waste back in 2015. And so that means we divert more than 95% of our waste from the landfills. And so a lot of training in our in sustainability areas, I know you've met our wonderful VP of sustainability, Dr. Nottere, yeah. uh, who leads those teams. So the onboarding process might feel a little different for team members who haven't had a lot of training in uh, sustainability during their initial days.
1: Yeah. I've really enjoyed my association with her, Dr. Nottere. She's, she's pretty phenomenal. I love some He's of the wonderful. stories, yeah, and the things that I've seen—just how you recycle everything. You encourage people to come in and recycle old phones or batteries or whatever the case may be. And you guys are definitely walking the talk, which that's so so refreshing. Let me ask you real fast. I, I think that it's apparent potentially just from this conversation, but I'd like to just ask you: What breaks your heart? I had some. I heard a pastor once say, "If you want to know where to devote your time or where to where to serve." Ask yourself that question. What breaks your heart? And then go about trying to do something about it.
0: I would say the unnecessary loss of lives that I think are related to so many of these toxins in our world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as, as a child who saw their mother suffer with cancer and wanting to do something to make a change, and as a mother who wants to protect my own child, I think that when I look at the ubiquitous amount of toxins it's heartbreaking and there's something we can do Ed. you know I, when you look at cleaning products we have to start reading the labels understanding what's in them just like you you buy food and you read the labels and you say, okay, you know what? I want. uh, Oh, I'm not gonna eat those things. We need to do the same thing with cleaning products. We need to look at the labels and understand the skin is the largest organ in our body. We absorb things quicker through our skin than what we put into our mouth. We're eating off of our plates. We're drinking out of glasses. The residue on our plates and glasses, we're consuming every day. And yet so many of these products have skulls and crossbones and say, do not ingest. And people are ingesting them every single day. Yeah. You know, and so and now we know so many of the ingredients and in cleaning products we know definitively are linked to cancer, are linked to asthma, to nerve and organ damage, to all these different diseases. And it's such an important thing that we can do to protect ourselves. And unfortunately, as I sit here in the United States today, this, this isn't easy for people to do because we don't require the disclosure of ingredients and in cleaning products. That's something that's gotta change, Ed. People have the right to know what's in their food, and they have a right to know what's in their cleaning products. And so on the back of the labels, ingredients should always be listed, and the consumers should have the right to look at the ingredients and say, oh, what? I mean, even a natural product, right? Maybe someone's allergic to lavender, right? And maybe there's a lavender, pro- lavender oil in a product that doesn't have a lavender call out on front. The consumer needs to be able to say, oh, you know what, I, I can't have this. It's got lavender oil in it, right? And we've self-disclosed for a long time. But I would say it's heartbreaking to see that, you know, we go year after year. You know, we fought so hard for TOSCA reform, the Toxic Substances Control Act. And back in 2016, they passed it to check 10 chemicals a year. Well, Ed, that's not okay. When they created the EPA fifty years ago in 1970, because 2020 is the 50th anniversary, they grandfathered in 83,000 chemicals that had never been checked for human health and safety. And so, in 2016, to have reform that says we're going to check ten, and Ed, number one. Yeah. Oh my God! You know yes. well, you what? love her. Yeah. Yeah. and and so you know. And one of those ten was asbestos. Who doesn't know asbestos is bad for you?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you that's mean, that's a no brainer. A right there. Yeah, yeah. So well, I, I sparked something there. Obviously, what breaks your heart? Boy, you I, I heard your your voice elevate. No, that's fantastic. I love that. And and I'm passionate passion, about these well, things. and there you go. I think that you know t- people have asked me over the years. I, I teach some college students over the years, and I, I'm around young people and old people alike. And the question I obviously, and, and often get from people is what is the definition definition of success? And I think you just hit on the head. It's passion. If You're passionate about what you do, whether whether you are the custodian of a company or the CEO of a fortune 100 company or a teacher or what have you, if you don't have passion, there's just no chance of success. There's not.
0: You'll yeah. never be truly happy. Right.
1: So, so what's next for, for ECOS and earth-friendly products? What's What's out there still on the horizon that you want to do, that you can share? I know there are trade secrets of things oh. that you can't share, but um, what's out there that's on the horizon that, that you're excited about, that's, that's coming up?
0: Absolutely. So, you know, Ed, I would say there's, a we have 200 different products in our portfolio. I know you can see some of them behind me, our laundry, our dish, our our purpose. And certainly we've expanded our distribution into various retailers this year, but lots of new innovations coming down the pipeline. Um, So I would say that just now uh, in April, we launched two new items and that was our mother and child. You might've seen that on Mother's Day, our big debut of that. I think that I'll show it to you. And so what it is, is you can see it here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This is the mother and this is the child. The child pops out of it. Oh,
1: wow. and so, <laughs> I love that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so you can refill it four times. And wow. so it's a, a reduction of plastic, right? We're very much focused on the reduction of plastic. And so with the mother and child, you have a refill format. You can get it in all the Whole Foods markets in the nation. We also, I'll show you one other thing. We came out with a liquidless laundry detergent. So another plastic reduction initiative, our Eco's next offering. And I'll show you what it looks like, Ed. It looks like a little sheet. Nice. And so, and so rather than you know, you just throw that into your laundry. And even if you're traveling, you know, during this time, we want to wash our hands or we want to wash something smaller. You could have a small load, you could use it to wash your hands, you could use it for various things. So it's a new waterless offering. We're also working on our disinfectant and our hand sanitizer. Uh, we actually launched our disinfectant in October of last year at the International Sanitary Supply Show. Uh, we've now gotten it approved in 38 of our 50 states. Uh, mm-hmm. As soon as we have the approval in the, in the final 12 states, we're really proud to offer a botanical disinfectant because right now so many people are talking about, You know, the CDC says, first clean, then disinfect, And so we really wanna have a very powerful portfolio for for people in both arenas and a healthier uh, offering in both arenas.
1: That's awesome, I love that. Uh, A suggestion that came to me from your team was the the topic of how to champion change in unprecedented times. I think we've just spent the better part of 40 minutes talking about that. Is there anything as I say that 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 we've left out? I I still have a few more questions and I obviously want to be respectful of your time, of course. Uh, as you think of that championing change in unprecedented times, beyond what we've talked about, what would you like to share? This is your chance to share anything you'd like to.
0: You know, the the only other thing I think about is, you know, this, you know, um, challenging time obviously really brings to the forefront the importance of cleaning. And so I think that Everyone has on their mind how to protect themselves and their family from this virus. And the number one way to do that is to, to clean. Mm-hmm. And so our teams have been running round the clock now for three months to produce products and really on the front lines of making sure we get those products in the stores every day. Um, but as we're cleaning. I think it also gives us a chance to talk about how are we cleaning, because we want to create healthy homes. We want to create healthy schools, healthy workplaces. And so I think as people rush to clean, I think it's really important for them to look at what the CDC is saying. And the CDC says that cleaning is a two-step process. Number one, you clean, and number two, you disinfect. Cleaning is defined as the removal of germs and viruses and dirt, and this is something we should be doing frequently. You should be cleaning all the time. And when you're doing that, you should be cleaning with safer products. Look for the Safer Choice certification. Read the ingredients. Look for plant-powered cleaning products because I'm telling you, you know, we have to protect our own immunity and our lung health, and so many of these conventional products hurt our lungs. They hurt our own immune systems because of what's in them. The second part, which is disinfecting, you know, you spray the disinfectants on frequently trafficked surfaces, but please read the instructions yeah. um, because oftentimes you should wear a mask or you should have proper ventilation and disinfecting, you have a dwell time. You spray it, you leave it 10 minutes. We shouldn't be just cleaning with disinfectants everywhere, which I think everyone has a tendency to want to do. So I think if uh, if we could do anything during this, this time, I would say that cleaning is key for health. And I think people understand how hygiene and cleanliness is more important now than ever, but cleaning with things that are safer for you and your family is also equally important. We don't want to have a pendulum swing back where after this pandemic we start seeing you know all sorts of other issues. Household poisons are on the rise, twenty percent spike in them reported by the CDC, and these are because people are getting into and especially children yeah, exactly. are getting into these these cleaning products, and uh, so that's so we tend to keep
1: happens. our cleaning products under our sink typically a lot of people do. And that's just like, kid, everybody can reach that. So
0: Right. Yeah. Right. You know, and I have to tell you that I listened a few years back to the household calls when the kids were ingesting the little um, the laundry right. pods and you could just hear, you know, frantic parents and it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's super yeah. heartbreaking.
1: That's tough. That's really tough. How do we find you and your products? Where's the best place for someone to go if they're shopping or online or to reach you if they wanted to reach directly to you?
0: So if people want to reach out to me, I'm based here at our Cypress, California facility, and they could reach me at Kelly at Egos.com. Um, but uh, in terms of you know our products, uh, they're available in Costco, Sam's Club, Walmart, they're available in Ralph's and Albertson's, Whole Foods Market, mm-hmm. Sprouts, Mother's Market, Pavilions, Bristol Farms, mm-hmm. Seder Brothers.
1: <laughs> I could go <laughs> Everywhere, on yeah.
0: But, um, you know, and online at, uh, at Amazon or jet, um, you know, Vitacost. There's a great, there's a lot of great, but go to our website ecos.com. I certainly would miss a lot of names if I tried to name everything. Sure. If you just go to ecos.com. You can find everything about us, our company and our products. And, um, uh, and I thank you, Ed, just for, for giving me the opportunity to share the importance of going green with your audience.
1: Of course. No. And it's, it's important to me as well. And, and, um, obviously the relationship we have with you personally and with your business and with your family is, is very important to my family and me and by my family I don't just mean the heart family but I also do mean you know the people at the center for family business our members we had love our holiday you. yeah we had our holiday party at your facility in Cyprus a couple of years ago and people to this day still talk about it and we're eager to come back Um, We love to
0: welcome people to our ecos and our
1: home. Yeah. And your facility, I mean, obviously it's clean. That's kind of, you know, I would (laughs) chuckle when I say that, because obviously it will be, but it's the new definition of clean. I think, uh, you know, if you have a chance to tour their facility anywhere around the world, but the one in Cyprus that I've been to a handful of times, you'll be, you'll be remarkably influenced by just how they practice what they preach. Uh, That's really, really great. What are you most proud of? And the first, I guess if I do the math in my head, coming up on 20 years, 15 years or so as the leader of earth friendly products um, right now, what are you most proud of? And then um, for yourself personally, and also for the company. And then I'll ask my last question for that.
0: Right now I would say I'm so proud of the team that we've built. You know, we have an amazing team in place at earth friendly products, um, all aspects of our Ecos family and what you know, it's the highest level of patriotism that I've seen from my team during this crisis. You know, Ed, we've got team members who who work as sales managers that came in to run night shifts. We've got, you know, territory sales reps that came in to work the production lines. We've got all sorts of people that pulled together to make it happen. And as a leader, that fills me with great pride to see my team come together and to understand the important role we play in the fight against COVID and to do everything that they could rally to to see them really understanding that protecting people is what we do and it's what we do every day and to see everyone step outside of the scope of their everyday jobs and do whatever it takes. And I think that's when, you know, as a leader, you feel just so proud of of what's been accomplished. And, you know, in terms of the products we produce and what we put in the marketplace, I'm just unbelievably proud of the green chemistry and, uh, and, and our ability to really deliver something that is so much safer for our consumer. And so much healthier for our planet. And there's no doubt that the two are inextricably tied to one another.
1: You have built an amazing team, too. You have a lot of people there that I know very well. I've gotten to know quite a bit. Um, Your VP of marketing is is a dear friend of mine. I've known Craig since, uh, you know, when he was at a previous employer, and so was I. We've been well over a decade. And he's been tremendously influential in my life, especially recently. Yes. Um, yeah, oh, you-
0: Craig Harlan has done a great job leading our, our, our sales team. You know, he's, a, he's really brought everyone together and, uh, and really they have, they, they really embody our culture and our commitment. And, and I love what Craig has done with everyone. And, and during this time created so many opportunities for us as
1: well. Excellent. Well, Kelly, it's been a, a true pleasure for me and I know those that get a chance to watch and listen to this will feel that pleasure as well. Um, you're a great leader, you're doing tremendous things with your your company, with the environment, with the industry and just in whole, you're, you're protecting us, you're keeping us safe and healthy. And uh, just, I just really do admire you for your passion for what you do and for what your company does. Let me just finish like I do with all of my guests. Um, as, as you know, the, the title of the podcast is From the Heart, uh, which obviously is a play on my last name, but really the whole purpose for why we've launched this to begin with is I can go on Google, I can go on Wikipedia, I can go on IMDb actually for that matter and learn more about you because of the movie and so forth, but I can't really see in all of those things what's in your heart. So Kelly, Vlahakis, Hanks, what's in your heart?
0: Gratitude. Gratitude is in my heart, gratitude for my family, gratitude for all of the members of our team at ECOS, gratitude for the unbelievable courage that our retailers have shown, gratitude for everyone on the front line during this crisis, Um, and gratitude for our beautiful shared planet, and certainly gratitude to you for having me here today. Thank you.